Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. My name is Dave Black, and I'm in the caretaker hot seat this weekend, as Chris and Ross are both away. Uh, I'm joined as ever by uh, Ali Thompson. How are you, sir? Uh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. If you asked me yesterday, it was great. Um, <laughs> today, today, not so much. Slightly slightly angry. Calm down a bit now. But... Yeah, I think it's fair to say we're both going to be little rays of sunshine on this uh, on this podcast. Yeah, it d- uh, doesn't work out well, does it, for us this week? <laughs> No, but we'll we'll try and put lipstick on this pig of a weekend and uh, see see if we can make something good out of it. Um, so we'll start with uh, Saturday lunchtime, uh, the North London derby, Tottenham and Arsenal. Uh, it finished one each. Uh, Arsenal took the lead through Aaron Ramsey and uh, Harry Kane equalised from the spot. Um, first thing really here for me is that Arsenal were by far the better team. I don't know how much you saw of this, but uh, Arsenal played really well and they were lucky not to win. Uh, Tottenham were a bit disjointed. Did you, did you say anything, Ali? I, I didn't. I've seen I've seen clips of it, um, bits and pieces. I've literally just watched the Ramsey goal and as good a football that is from, from Arsenal to break it. Spurs are meant to be this super organised defensive team. Um, and that looked like, you know, League Two sort of standard. How he's got that much time to break through. Yeah, I, I tweeted at the time. Why play three centre halves when you can play none? Because obviously, <laughs> obviously Sanchez missed his header on halfway, and that just caused carnage. But uh, yeah, it was a bit unlike Tottenham because, for all their failings, there generally hasn't been the centre halves who have been at fault. Yeah, um, I guess the the main talking point here, and to be fair, there, there were there were a few. Um, little niggly fouls as the game went on. I think Xhaka went down Kane's Achilles at one point, and uh, obviously the, the pen decision will come on to. But the pen for Tottenham, um, this has really caused a debate in refereeing circles, which fortunately you are one of. So, um, for those who haven't seen it, uh, it's a free kick in the box. Uh, Harry Kane is probably a yard, half a yard offside, um, but he gets bundled at the floor by Koscielny before he has a chance to head the ball. And the referee awards a penalty. What's your take? For a, he's offside. Now, obviously, the, the, the level I referee it, I don't have assistance. Um, you know, unless it's a, a major game cup final type thing. Or, mm. you know, the junior levels who have got a bit of money, they're willing to pay for it because they don't want these decisions going against them. Um so it should it shouldn't have been a penalty for that. He's offside. My only question, which I can't answer because I've not seen a replay, I've not seen the game like yourself. Does the assistant flag for offside at any point? Uh, I 
don't think he does because he's peering round bodies if I can think of the right incident. But so yeah, right. So from the ref, the referee from his point of view has got the decision correct because there's no flag, there's no offside, and and this is why I'm a very high. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, I'm looking forward to VR coming in. Mm. Um, not necessarily get it right. I mean, we've seen a lot of mistakes from referees still because they don't want to kind of go back on themselves. Um, yeah. But but yeah, it's it's offside. It shouldn't be given. Um, but because the assistant doesn't give it, the referees made the correct decision. Now, Mark Halsey and a few other refs have been on about the laws of the game, which state basically that if the foul takes place, it happens before he's offside because he Kane's technically not offside until he touches the ball. Uh, now, whether you agree with the laws of the game or not, well, that, would te- that would technically make the decision correct, but it's, yeah, mo- well, it's I, more, is I, the rule right in the first place? No, the, the rule isn't right in the first place if you go by that because that just seems silly. I, without, I've, not re- I've not got the laws in front of me, I've not got my book, but I mean, those guys probably do know a bit more than me, not that you would notice when they actually refereed. But. Um, <laughs> I was always under the interpretation, and this is where I could be wrong, that so long, you know, if he's, if the, the ball's heading, going towards Kane, and he's attacking the ball, so he's interfering with play, it would be like one of those, if there's no foul awarded there, Kane misses the ball, and it goes to the player behind him, and then the player behind him scores, but Kane's offside, is it offside? Well, he has to be, because he's interfering with play. So the minute that ball's in the vicinity of Kane, you know, because the foul doesn't actually happen until the ball's quite close to Kane, you know, because Mustafi's making the challenge to stop Kane getting contact. It's not like he fouls him as the ball's been kicked, mm. per se. So for me, yeah. for me, he's offside. Um, I think it's just... Well, that's it, isn't it? Like, I don't think Shelney would feel the need to foul him if he wasn't ahead of the play in the first place. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's the free kick comes from such a a close distance sort of thing, like the, the angle of the ball, where the where the defensive line is, where the attacking line is. There's not enough. There's not enough area for me for it not to be interfering with play. Like yeah. not, you know, he's he's doing like Henri used to be. Eh, not Henri. Ah, uh, yeah, it was Henri used to be really good at standing that five yards offside and letting the defence drop back. Um, or as he didn't, you know, he made a clever run, and and that's what Kane's trying to do. Where Arsenal have actually held the high line. So Kane's been caught, and for me, it just if if see there's no foul as I said before, and Kane misses the ball, is he offside? Does the player score behind him? Kane's got to then be affecting play, because see a defender just oh Kane's offside stops, puts his hand up offside, you know Kane misses it, the player behind scores. Well, Kane's interfering with play because the whole defence is the goalkeeper and the centre halves are stopped playing because he's offside. For me, the yeah. linesman's got the, the decision wrong. Um, the referee has made the correct decision because just because of the circumstances around it. But no, it shouldn't be penalty for me. It should be offside. Well, as I said, the fact that the laws of the game are there in front of us and even after the event, no one seems 100% sure what should have happened. There's a lot of grey areas. Yeah. How, how, I don't know how, I don't know how even with VAR they would be able to sort this out quickly enough. Um, I mean, like obviously you'd like to think the people making the decisions are actually aware of what the rule is, well, which would obviously help. This is the biggest concern. Like, who's making the decision? I mean, what 
I'd like for VR, and I don't know exactly how it's going to work, but I, I'd like the people who are watching VR just to give the referee an option to go and see mm. it again. Or just make the decision themselves straight away. You know, overrule the referee. But then, can you imagine, like, say Martin Atkinson, just using him as an example, if he gets five quite bad decisions wrong, even when they're bad to us, I mean, we get to see angles, we get to see TVs. It's very hard to be a referee, in a game, especially at that level where it's moving faster. That's why they're paid much more than, obviously, like guys at my level are. But you've got split seconds, and you've, you've seen it from, say, a player's blocking you, or you just think you see something, you know, because you've had to turn your head to look for something else and turn them back. If you're getting overruled for even honest mistakes, how bad is that looking on your referees? In a game, it's this is the only contentious part of VAR um, is how they're going to do. It. I liked the I like the rugby method where the, the screen comes up and the referee can have a quick look on the screen in front of everybody. Yeah, football no. will never go with that method. I would imagine the fact that they're not allowed to be mic'd up and and things like that. But VAR, if it see it just see it takes away ten percent of mistakes in a season, for the first season, say, and it improves even by a percent every year. Surely that's a good thing for football, regardless. Well, that's a fair point. As, as, as anything that brings the number of mistakes down is obviously going to be a good thing. Yeah, I mean, we've all been on the wrong end. and I mean, I'll, I'll always say penalties probably balance themselves out, you know, over the course of a season. You get favourable ones, you get dodgy ones against yourself. Um and I, I get why people like the human error in football, but we're also the quickest to complain um, mm. the minute you know referees are making mistakes. And I, I do believe the standard of officiating is is decreasing, um, but it's because they're not held accountable. You know, they're not see they're not getting booked out of the championship for a couple of games as a punishment. There needs to be something um, brought into play for such. Circumstances like we we don't get away with our jobs without getting warnings and discipline, um, but they seem not to be held accountable. No, it's a tough one, though, isn't it? Because it's uh, it's a bit of a thankless task at times, as oh, you say. They 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 are well paid, I imagine. Um, but there's got to be some sort of uh, appraisal system, I guess, for how they go on because there's been a few refs recently who seem to have made their way to the top despite making errors every week um, and they remain at the top that's the that's the issue yeah. like like referees at my level are we, we get watched fairly regularly um, and if we get say you've got a couple of bad reports you know we're going down a level you know we're, we're not we're not moving up very far we're going down so um, you, you would like to think it's the same at that level but it just doesn't seem it on on the viewer's eye. No, I think uh, I think you're probably right with that. Um, now, have you, have you you haven't seen the Arsenal penalty, have you? The Obama Young one, yes, I yeah. have. Have you seen the decision that was given for it? Or yeah, I've, just, yeah, yeah, it's. I mean, we've seen it on the replays, and we can see Obama Young's been very clever and he's dived. It doesn't look at the first time you watch it. No, there's a very unnatural movement, isn't there, where you can see uh, Sanchez 
kind of yeah, owns it. Yeah, looks like he's come across him. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Um, you know, it's not like uh, it's like Salah had a couple of soft penalties where he's exaggerated the contact. Um, and you could kind of tell, even as a Liverpool fan, I could tell, looking at it, like, oh, come on. Like, he don't need to do that. Um, but I'm, I, I, I do wonder if there has been any contact at all. You know, just the slightest one, because he was running so quick and it has knocked him off balance in any way. Just because it's a very unnatural... Either that, he practices that a lot of training. Um, Do you but, think there's a, there's a possibility the ref was trying to even it up? Having given one at the other end that was maybe a bit contentious? Or is that not a thing? No, I, I don't think it's consciously a thing. I definitely mm. think it's there in your subconscious. I, I know it's been in my head at some point. You know you've got a decision wrong. Um, and you'll... When, when you're 50-50 on a decision sometimes and you know you've got one wrong against the red team, say, when it comes to the 50-50 and you're just not quite sure, you do tend to then swing it to the blue, I think subconsciously. Um, I think the, the biggest thing for referees... Now, I don't know what it's like at the, the top level because they've got to be a bit much more professional than, than I was. But <laughs> I, I was always just honest. You know, if I had made a mistake... I remember one game, um, it was just a friendly, and there was a clear handball. But I had looked the other way to to watch for an offside, looked back, missed a like, proper handball. I knew the guy had done something, but I didn't see it. Mm. I just couldn't give it. It was in the box, just couldn't do it. And I just held my look, I, you know, just opened up to the guy and I was like, look, Probably, I didn't see it, couldn't give it, it's my fault, you know, let's just move on. And I feel players respect you more for that. Um, and I would like to think it's the same at the top level. The players aren't perfect. You know, if if they were perfect, the referees have got no decisions to make. You know, because their tackles are perfect. Yeah. You know, every shot's a goal, every pass is going to the right player. There's no, you know, there's no balls going out for throw-ins. You're not having to make thousands of decisions a game. So... It is just a human error, and it's where I wish referees and the FA and even fans and media allowed it, but for the referees just to come out in the open and maybe even ex- not explain their decisions, but just say their thoughts on it. Because, I mean, we, me and you could probably watch a game, Dave, and see different things and different decisions and think they're completely different, just because we've seen it from a different point of view. And it'd be the same for if you asked five people a decision on, like, say five penalty decisions that we see over the next few weeks. Say me, you, Chris Ross and um, Adam all watched it. We watched it separately and then just put on a bit of paper what our decision would be on. I bet you'd find it be a, you know, quite a varied reaction. So I think all we can ask for is, like, honesty and we want to see that open interpretation and maybe explain why they gave the decision, you know, what they saw. Because again, they only get that split second. Um, so what they saw, like what he saw for Aubameyang, is he thought that Sanchez has, you know, come across him and tripped him up and made him lose balance. And the same with it. <coughs> pardon me. The, the going back to the Hurricane one, you know, give his decision what he thought, whether it be the contact if he he's given it because the contacts happened before Kane's interfering with play, so he's not offside at the time. Um, or it's just because the, re- the assistant hasn't put his flag up, so that's the end of his job. 
you know, and then he he obviously would then have to speak to the assistant. I just I just wish there was more verbal communication, really, between fans, media, and referees. Being, I mean, managers are interviewed right after a game. Players are the same. Um, I just wish maybe referees had a chance, or or even there was a a report that came out once a month with set reasoning on set decisions because they have to explain their decisions to you know their higher ups. So why isn't it a, like an open forum that you can go on and have a read of, personally? Yeah, I was going to say they have to write a report, don't they, which uh, quite often comes into under scrutiny if it has the referee seen an incident or not, and yes. that can decide whether players are charged and things afterwards. Yeah. So it's obviously written. Um, I guess there must be a reason why that's not openly shared, but uh, maybe it should be. Yeah, so maybe even not like the full report, but say they the examiners of, of each of the referees, you know, the, the what do you call them? can't remember now. But the guys who are watching the referees, you know, they're, they're higher-ups. Um, like the assessors. The assessors, yeah. They yeah. have to give the referees, as well as the report, like, the chances are they, they speak to assessors after the games and maybe even once a month and they have to explain certain decisions, you know, because they've took on. So they're seeing it from up in the, the, the stands and watching the screens and you know, they're like, oh, that should have been that. That should have been a yellow card. It should have been a foul there in X minute. And then you have to explain to your assessor what you've seen, why you've given your decision. And if you can give an honest answer, you know, they don't have a problem with it. They'll say you got it. They might say you've got it wrong um, and it should have been this, but it's, it's, it's easy to see from a screen that it is to be running, you know, 30 miles an hour back and forward. You know, it's not just... You're going in a straight line with the player. You're you're going in and out, and you're quick turns with the turnovers, especially in some of the scrappier games. Um, and it's just a, it's definitely just the open communication. That's all we need. You know, if we can get an explanation on why a decision is given, then I think a lot of people, will, even if you're not happy about it, you'll accept it more. Mm. Yeah, I think that's probably probably fair. I know. There's been occasions where you, you just cannot make any sense of what what, what decisions being made, but if they could explain it, I'm sure it would uh, it would help calm things down a little bit. But ultimately, ultimately, it wouldn't change things. Would it? Like the decision's already been made by that point. But I think that's the biggest thing we always have to come back to. It doesn't matter what's been done. You know, the decision's done. You can't change it. You've still got X amount of minutes to win the game. So then. Um, I always use the NFL as a reference. You know, you can't complain about one interception decision. Um, that's not going to win or lose you a game. It's how you've played for the rest of the minutes. Yeah. Um, if, I mean, if you play bad for 89 minutes and then get a dodgy penalty against you, say, in the 60th minute, that dodgy penalty has not lost you the game. It's how you've played um, for the rest of the game. Um, I, I just think it's, a, it's quite a good cop-out for a lot of teams and fans including myself mm. probably at times as well <laughs> and probably yourself Dave as well oh completely um, we all love them all don't we yeah it's quite easy to blame referees but none of us would would really like to be one no definitely not <laughs> well it's a good job there was plenty to talk about in that game because uh, the next yeah. couple of ma- the next couple of matches on my pad here are uh, are not great so we'll head to the south coast for uh, for Bournemouth nil Man City 1 Um <sighs> Bournemouth had, I think it was 19% possession, no shots. Uh, Man City had one goal from Riyad Mahrez, which phew, keeper probably should have saved. But 
Um, is there anything you can take from this other than Bournemouth tried to get a point and failed? Uh, did they try to get a point? <laughs> well, well they, they tried not to lose by more than I'm on more, my, more yeah, I'm, I'm on my conspiracy <laughs> box that every team's just bending over for Man City. Um, I think the biggest takeaway is Man City won a game where they weren't good. Um, quite a lucky goal, kind of, as you said. Keeper probably should have saved it. Um, a lot of chances, but nothing nothing clear-cut. I mean, after Boric was in goal, you've got seven shots on target, you only score one. Uh, it just says to me, like we said earlier on the season, you know, Liverpool were playing really ugly and getting those wins. Well, Man City are getting them at the time where you need them. Um, and I, I just feel it's it's champions elect, really, um, given a result we'll talk about later on. Mm. I just think that's just the, the morale boost that they need at the right time. Um, and wins like that are definitely good to get at this time of the season. Yeah, well, I mean, that's two of them in a week, really, where they haven't played particularly well. Yeah. Um, West Ham were fairly untroubled on Wednesday night and lost to a penalty. Um, Bournemouth here just... I mean, they played a back seven or something. I think it was about seven defenders in the lineup anyway. Yeah, he um, played centre midfield, didn't he? Yeah, and I, th- I think they had Adam Smith on the wing, who's normally a full-back. So, yeah. you know, they, they, they weren't looking to win, but um, they're not daft. I mean, if you go out and attack Man City, yeah. you're probably, you're probably going to lose heavily. Unless um, you're good, yeah. Unless you're good, yeah. And, and Bournemouth without Wilson, and I think Brooks is just back, and various other bits and bobs going on there that were, they were probably never going to go toe to with Man City and win so we cannot be too surprised um, further along the south coast um, Brighton beat Huddersfield 1-0 um, Florin Andonia came off the bench to score the winner here now I was about 70 minutes I thought Brighton are smack bang in the middle of this relegation battle if they can't break down Huddersfield at home <coughs> I'm still not convinced they're two separate teams Dave I'm so convinced that was just 22 players for one team. So I think about, <laughs> oh, they just had different strips on this week. <laughs> I don't know who plays for who. I, I really don't. I it's the only thing I can tell you about this game. I, I can name, like, obviously I know Knockout, I know Moy, I know Murray. But if you'd asked me before the game who plays for which team, or if you'd told me, oh, Knockout plays for Huddersfield, um, and he was their man of the match, so I'd like, believe you. I really just, I can't distinguish between the two of the teams. The guy we sit next to at the match is adamant that Brighton will go down, or it'll be them or Southampton, not Cardiff, which we'll come on to. But um, do you think Brighton are actually in this, or do you think they've just had a bad run and their home form will inevitably see them get out of it? Can we two seconds? Now, Brighton are the team who's got Lewis Dunk, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. No, I don't think they'll go down purely because of those Duffy and Dunk who seem to get quite a decent amount of goals. Um Glenn Murray is a threat, especially against the the rubbisher teams, per se. Um, Matty Ryan always seems, every time I've seen him play, plays well. You know, he seems to be a good shot stopper for, like, that type of team. And I just, no, I just don't see them going down there. I, I think Huddersfield are down, obviously. I think Fulham are definitely down, especially after today. Um... I think Cardiff stay up. I really do, but I think it's Cardiff or Southampton. I just don't see. I think Burnley have got enough in the scrappier games now that you know they seem to have got that 
a little bit of defensive solidarity back sort of thing. Um, I mean, you guys are safe regardless of the result that will come on to later on. Um, I just think Brighton have just got they've got goals in their centre half, thankfully, because <laughs> they've not got much of an attacking threat apart from set pieces. But set pieces are massive when it comes to you know the scrappy games, the relegation battles. Yeah. Um, yeah, we touched on this last week. Where when you're not doing very well, what do you do? Well, you you fall into two banks of four, and you, and and you try to get the ball in the box from, from set pieces and things like that. That's their bread and butter. So I think uh, that they've got 30 points now. They need to win three home games, one nil, which which they probably will manage. Well, so they still have a game in hand. I know it's to Chelsea, but it's still an extra game that Chelsea haven't been great. If you can scrape a draw, you know that point could be massive. Um, I just don't see them losing one more game than Southampton between now and the end of the season, sort of thing. No, I think I think you're right. Um, I do think it's between Burnley, Southampton, and Cardiff for that last spot. Um, so, speaking of which, and the only reason I'm putting Burnley in there because they've had a pretty good run uh, until they turned up at St James's on Tuesday night and got turned over, and then they welcomed Crystal Palace. Uh, to Turf Moor on Saturday and they were blown away um, they lost 3-1 um, Phil Bardley who's somehow still a Premier League player scored an own goal <laughs> um, Batshuayi who looks like more and more of a bargain every week made it 2-0 uh, Zahar at a third and then Burnley got one back late on through Ashley Barnes um, what, do you, what do you make of Burnley like, uh, uh, I know we just talked about teams possibly going down there they were terrible for a long time they had a bit of a purple patch um, which I say ran out midweek, but is that the end of the pearl patch now, or do you think, think they'll be fine? I think they've come up against a very hungry, hungry Newcastle team um, last week, um, with with the new guy, you know, showing that bit of flair. Uh, I think me, you and Ross talked about him last week. Yeah. Um, I mean, I compared them in our podcast. I forgot to set the podcast. To, very much like a, a Ben Arthur type player, you know. Mm-hmm. Something yeah. that just adds a bit of can make something happen um, so I mean that was it was always going to be tough for Burnley you know both teams needed to win and they just come up against a very good Crystal Palace team yesterday Crystal Palace are one of those teams that you can never enjoy playing against you know they're, a, they're probably that just comfortable mid-table team very dangerous players like all across the park um, their only biggest weakness is probably their goalkeeper um, but when Zaha's on form, Zaha's a good player. Um, in fact, very good, to be fair. He's probably one of the better ones out of the, say, top six on form. problem is he's just a whining little bitch. Um, <laughs> and Batshuayi is, he is actually Chelsea level. Just Chelsea are a bunch of twats. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just, and the way he took his goal yesterday, I thought, was, was incredible. You know, you don't see many strikers taking a shot like that. Now, not in today's world. Um, I don't want to compare him to Shearer, obviously, Dave, but very Shearer esque, just the way you know the balls come across, step forward and meet it and hit it early, rather than a lot of strikers today and a lot even forwards would rather either let the ball come to them or take a touch and try and you know set themselves. Oh, there was no nonsense. He, as you say, yeah. he just uh, took it first time, seemed to catch the keeper by surprise a little bit, and uh, that was it. I mean, looking at that Palace team. I think they should be probably better than they are. I mean, obviously, they've only had Batshuayi for a couple of months, but uh, 
generally, as you say, Zaha, I mean, they were able to leave um, Townsend on the bench yesterday until the latter stages. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Batshuayi has been the missing link, um, or a Batshuayi player. You know, not missing Batshuayi all the time, but the fact that they had no striker, they were playing with Zaha, and Benteke was your option. I mean, they signed Jordan Ayew for some reason. <laughs> he was going to be the answer, but it was a striker that seemed to be to be missing from it. I think Sacco and Dan and Tompkins as a unit, the way Christopher Palace defend, you know, that's a solid enough like three to choose from. Van Hanho isn't a bad left back, you know, for for the level Christopher Palace. Wan Basaka will be at a top six team within two years, um, the way his development's going. Max Meyer was highly touted. Um and obviously Zaha, who who is highly rated in, in amongst English teams. So the goalkeeper was their weakness and not having a, a striker. And I agree, they, they should be, for me, they should be challenging your, your West Ham Watford Wills for that 7th, 8th, 9th slot. Um, it's just not materialised. And I just don't like Roy Hodgson. And I, I, I believe <laughs> his methods and his thing will be down to the way, you know, they do stifle. It's um as well. The, obviously, Sacco, you, you'll know very well from uh, his time at Liverpool. He was so highly rated before he went to Liverpool, and I thought actually you got you got rid of him too soon. Um, you might have a different opinion on that, nope, but nope. no, no. Uh, I believe he should still be starting for us now with Van Dijk. Um, yeah, yeah. I just look. He's just one of those defenders. I mean, put it this way: we have Dejan Lovren and Matip still playing for us. And Sacco couldn't get a game because supposedly had a bad attitude towards Klopp and late for training and all that sort uh, of thing. But it's it's one of those. I mean, without going against the manager per se, um, you're never going to win a battle with a manager when you've got unless you're Pogba, <laughs> <laughs> you know, with an attitude like that. I mean. Klopp had just come in and he was arguably probably the most sought after manager in the world. Um, and if if you've lost your manager, you know, so soon into his career, and it was not long after, obviously, he had the the drug ban that he shouldn't have been banned for. Oh, yes. Obviously, that all came out. Um, but for me, he, he, he should still be playing for us. And he's, he's too good for a Crystal Palace. Well, yeah, that's, that's the point I was going to come to. He, he's far too, I don't know, it sounds disrespectful to Crystal Palace, but he's, he's he's a French international. Like He shouldn't be at Crystal Palace. Like He should be uh, much further up the table, I would have thought. But um, I think he's just had a little surgery. I'm, I'm sure I'm yeah, reading this towards the end last week. He's out for the... Sorry, my dog's barking. <laughs> he's, he's out for the rest of the season now, yeah. I mean, he has been quite unlucky with injuries, even when he was at us. My my only complaint would have been against for of him would have been that you know you can't rely on him because yeah. of injuries and I mean it doesn't matter how talented a player is or or how good or bad anybody thinks a player is if you can't rely on him for I mean it's a thirty eight game season say thirty games a season is he really what you want in a title winning title challenging team probably not but I feel since he's went to Crystal Palace he's deteriorated a lot and I don't know if it's just because he thinks he's better, well, he knows he's better than Crystal Palace as well, and just kind of half-assing it a little bit. 
Mm. I don't know if that's unprofessional to say, but you know, it just seems like the performances that I've seen him put in for Crystal Palace, he certainly didn't put in for Liverpool, even on his bad days. But then I've watched him for Palace, you know, just when he's in the mood, he's been outstanding. And, you know, I, I quite like Scott Dan as well. And I just thought the two of them had quite a good partnership together. Yeah, well, Dan came back actually from a long injury yesterday um, right. to partner uh, Tompkins, I think. Um, Tompkins it was, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, you know, they're not hard up with Sacco out. Um, and they've still got Roy's son, Martin Kelly, on the bench should they need him. So. I, I rate Martin Kelly. I really do. I just I don't know if it's just going to be a soft spot for him because I really liked him coming through at Liverpool. Um, but I just think he's just a solid enough defender that can do a job for, for I mean, Alice. You'd love to have him as fourth choice. Maybe not Liverpool now, but certainly, like, if he was fourth choice at Newcastle, I wouldn't be upset. Like, he's, yeah, you know, he's he, just, he is what he is. Like, he's he, steady Eddie. Yeah. Yeah. You know what's, what you're going to get from What's your thoughts on Juan Bissaka? Oh, unbelievable. Like, yeah. one of the best fullbacks in, in the league already at, what is he, 19, 20? Yeah, he must be quite young, yeah, but no, I. I My I, only. I, no, carry on. My only concern is. Um, he plays in a back four at Palace, and of course England tend to play five with it, with a wing back. Yeah. Um, we've never really seen him as a wing back, so I guess that'll be the next test for him. There's no reason why I can't adapt to that because he gets up and down that line all day anyway. So um, we haven't seen a lot of him as, a, as an attacking force really. I mean, he's chipped in with the odd assist here and there, but you wouldn't say he's like on a string like Seamus Coleman used to be where he used to get up and down the line he was pretty much playing as a winger yeah. um, but at the same time I'm sure he started out as a striker I was reading the week um, so he's probably got he's got those attacking instincts I think he's, he's just definitely very dangerous going forward I remember him against us it must have been the start of this season because this is his debut season really isn't it um, and he was just a threat the whole game I thought actually he got sent off in the game actually um, yes, he did, but that was was just the last man. Yeah, you had to do what he did. Yeah, and yeah. I thought he, I think it was more his experience as well. I think maybe a more experienced defender might have left it, and because it was quite early on in the game, I want to say it was the first half. Um, oh, oh, see, I thought it was right towards the end, but I might be oh, wrong. Uh, yeah, no, you could be right, but he was definitely man of the match anyway before the game. I thought he was outstanding. Um, yeah, as much as we beat, I think we beat him quite comfortably as well. But um, I just remember watching him, thinking, "Wow." You know, can we get him? As good as as much <laughs> as I love Robertson and and Trent, you know, you just wait like that's another one you can have. Um, you know, when you want backup, and I mean, the talk is Liverpool want to move Trent in the midfield eventually, so Pesaka would be the perfect, you know, then backup. Oh yeah, I mean, if if you were Arsenal, and, and assume, assume, assuming Bellerin's or knack, knack, as well. knackered. Yes, I suppose they've got an Ashley Young shaved holder to fill. <laughs> so, so he's going to have no shortage of suitors. But uh, the thing is, now with all the TV money in in uh, the Premier League, there's no pressure on these clubs to sell it's anymore, really, money, is there? Absolutely, and that's why yeah. there's such high fees for, you know, yeah. especially English players. Yes, that's true. It's uh, that's why I always laugh when people say, "Oh, we should bring in a quarter where teams have got to play a certain number of English players." All it's going to do is drive the prices through the roof because everyone's going to, everyone's going to want them. <laughs> um, one of the better games of the weekend then was uh, Man United and Southampton. Uh, Man United won three-two, but had to come from behind. Um, they also missed a late penalty. Uh, some great goals in this game. Um, Jan Valery, um, 
Pro Evolution Soccer Legend scoring from about 30 yards, which De Gea got two hands to, but still great for a young lad to score his first goal at Old Trafford. Lukaku, yeah. um, I think everyone had written off. Um, two very good finishes. Um, very controlled. A bit like his one in midweek, actually, where he just finds uses the instep to find the bottom corner. Um, Pereira's goal was brilliant, again. Um, plenty of swaths most out of the box. Uh, and Ward Prowse's free kick was... Um, very Beckham-esque, I don't know if you've seen this, but... Uh, no, no. Huh. Uh, no, I mean, it was just a very, very good game of football. Yeah, um, I've seen the, the Lukaku going from the edge of the box. Yeah. Um, and, a, the, you know, very calm, controlled, as you say, nice finesse, bottom corner. Um, and I've seen the Valerie goal. Um, the Valerie goal, I was listening to this game on TalkSport, just because I was driving back from Aloha at work, which is like a, an hour's drive for me. Um, so I had the game on just take my mind off the drive kind of, and the commentator says that De Gea should have had it so I was like oh I wonder what he's done De Gea should have stopped it sort of way I got home and looked at the game De Gea's not saving that if he's standing on the post no I think it, it's harsh to say he should have got it the fact that he's so good when he got anywhere near it in the first place yeah like, I just but, like, I mean I, I, I'm all for Man United bias when it's against them <laughs> but you know just don't be stupid about it <laughs> Yeah, well, that's it. Um, what's your thoughts on Lukaku? Because he'd pretty much been written off as a joke um, under Mourinho and now they've needed him to step up through all these injuries and he, he really has. He's st- Look, you can never take away... This kind of goes to my Harry Kane point. I mean, you know my thoughts on Harry Kane. Yeah. Now, Lukaku is a terrible footballer. <laughs> like His first touch is terrible. His control is awful. His positioning is... You know, it's borderline terrible. When you think of the how highly rated he was, you know, when he first went to Chelsea, and he's just got worse and worse the bigger he's got. Whereas he should be getting better and he shouldn't have got so big. But you can never take away his stats. I mean, I think for the last seven seasons, he's got over 10 goals. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you bear in mind he's played for West Brom in that time, Everton. Um, I mean, you should be hitting it at Man United the chances that you'll get, but you know, that's it's, it's a good record. Um, and if that's... If Lukaku's not the name Lukaku, you know, if he's not played for Chelsea and he's not been a high high price tag signing for Man United, I don't think there's as much stick on him. He just doesn't help himself with his general play. You know, he's made himself bigger. He's not very good at holding up the play. He can't control the ball and he can't pass the ball. <laughs> You've got a worry there. Whereas when he was... When he was at Everton to begin with, and he was at West Brom on loan from Chelsea, you know he was that quick. He was such a smaller build, um, and it, for me, he's touching better, and he, he, his hold-up play was even better then than it has been since he got bigger and become a nuisance sort of mm. thing. But again, he's he's getting the goals when they need them, um, and from a few clips that I've seen. His general hold-up play seemed better yesterday. He seemed to bring others into the game. He seems to have a good relationship with Pogba. Um, and I think that's crucial, obviously, at this time of the season for Man United. Now that they've got... In, I think they're in fourth now, aren't they? Yeah. They are, yeah. And they're pushing Tottenham for, for third. Which, I mean, if you had asked me a month ago, I mean, Man United to finish third in the league, I think we would have all laughed at that. I mean, we'd have laughed at them getting into the top four at one point, but uh, yeah. they've made light work of that, really. I know Chelsea got a game in hand, but 
the fact that in the mix is uh, impressive on its own. Really. Three points off Spurs, who were title challengers yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it went well, didn't it? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I'm not talking about title challengers anyway. Mm. <laughs> um, one last point on this game. Um, I mentioned Ward-Prowse's free kick there, and we talked about the importance of set pieces. James Ward-Prowse's delivery is as good as anybody's in the country. Yeah, it reminds me of David Bentley. Oh yeah. Yeah, just the you know, just the he's got a very unique stance. Um he's very consistent with his set pieces. Um He's just as a player, I think he's quite an underrated player. Um it's 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 he doesn't really have a position because uh yeah. you know, if you fifteen years ago when everyone's playing four four two, not a problem. Players on the right side of midfield. Yeah. Um now, I mean, he's he's probably not quick enough to play wing back. Um, he's probably not important enough to play centre midfield. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you're right. Now you think about that. If you have you got a nice four four two team, he's your perfect right midfielder in today's game. Um, very again, as you say, Beckham esque, Bentley esque. Not a lot of pace. Just a very good right sided midfielder with a good set piece. Um, I think yeah, I think that's maybe his biggest. Downside, Dave. I think you're right. I never thought about it like that. He's had. A, I think he's got an England cap. Um, yeah, I'll be very, very surprised if he's not knocking on the door to be in the squad at least. Um, but again, I, I just don't know where he fits in. Um, yeah. But it's an option to have, and as, as we've said, set pieces can be all important, but maybe not at England level. Um, Wolves beat Cardiff. Um, Hotter and Jimenez with the goals. Uh, Two uh, very well worked goals. Um, How good was Shorter's goal? Like, no, brilliant. So good. Uh, yeah. if, if Arsenal or someone had scored that, the press would have been talking about it for weeks and it would have won goal the month. Yeah. Um, it was just one touch passing football and a finish to go with it. Um, on the other hand, it's Cardiff, so you kind of get too excited. <laughs> That's very true, yeah. And the worst, the worst things of all for them is that their game plan, Saul Bamba, went off injured and it looks. Not great from. Um, not really sure what it is yet, but uh, he left on a stretcher. I was going to say, yeah, he went off on a stretcher, didn't he? You're trying to foul a player as well, just to point that. Out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he's always trying to foul somebody, isn't he? But uh, um, the big thing here is that Wolves rested a bunch of players to get them ready for the cup game against Man United. Can you explain this one? <sighs> Do you know what? In a way, I kind of respect this. I do, because I think... That we, we are the first to complain that teams don't take the cup serious. We had the discussion when you were in the cup, the last round, Dave, remember? Yep. Just before oh, the City yes. game. Um, yep. How you wanted... You would have rather lost the City game um, and won the cup game because you want a cup run. And I think for teams like Wills, Newcastle, anyone outside you know, the, the Champions League teams say, I think the cups have to be important for them. So long as you're not fighting relegation, um, although you were technically at the time, but I, I, I never ever believed you were going to get relegated. I think a team like Wolves, I mean, if they lost yesterday, was it really going to hamper them in the league? I mean, where's the lowest, do you think? If they if they have, a, say, a poor end to the season, where's the lowest they're probably going to finish? 12? Yeah, at worst. That's, a, that's a great season for a team just out of the championship and Wolves, they didn't spend a great deal in the summer. 
not when you think of the money that's involved in the Premier League. Um, and even at that, the points that they've dropped, I mean, they should have beat City um, at the start of the season. Um, there's games that they just should have won. You know, they played really well. And I just think they've had such a good season. I quite like the fact that they've rested players. They can go, Man United are beatable. Especially for a team like Wolves, the way they play football. If they can get, imagine Wolves getting an FA Cup win in their first season. That's more than most of those teams that are sitting about. Like, I mean, can you imagine, like, say, who's had good seasons? Like, even like your Leicester's, your Everton, West Ham, all would cry out for a trophy like that. Mm-hmm. And I, I like it. I mean, it worked even better that they actually won the game as well. I mean, again, it's only Cardiff, as you said, but they can now go to Man United knowing that those backup players can come in and win games for themselves. It just makes the squad overall more confident and better. Yeah, it's uh, it's a novel approach. Like I say, we've seen seen players being rested with a view to you know coming in for whatever game is important. But um, Nuno openly came out here and said he's playing John Ruddy in this game because uh, he wants him to be ready for the game against Man United. Didn't want it to have you know a month without a game and then coming in cold, which. I guess it works both ways, doesn't it? it uh, you kind of just throw players in and expect them to win. So, fair play to them. Yeah, no, I, I like it. I mean, as you say, I, 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 I will never understand any manager who doesn't play a player for, I don't know, say, say a month, as you say, Dave, or even longer. Like, the likes of, like, say Sturridge, I'm using Sturridge as an example. Obviously, Liverpool's easiest one to talk to me. The Sturridge hadn't played for months. I don't think he's actually had many minutes since that Chelsea goal. Um, yeah, probably about three months ago. Then, then we bring him in because uh, Firmino's injured, and we just expect him to be Sturridge of thirteen, fourteen. You need game time. Players need minutes. It's okay training every day, but you need to be involved in the game. If you, if your team's winning, or even if you're losing three 0 why not bring a player in who's not played for a couple of weeks and give him the last fifteen minutes? It's the change that. It might spark something. You might get one go back. I mean, if you're two, three nil down, you're not going to. Chances are, you're not probably going to come back and win the game anyway. Same the other way around. Just give. We need, players need minutes, and if you can't, like, again, no disrespect to Cardiff. Well, actually, there is Neil Warnock's in charge. If Wolves can't go and beat Cardiff City with three changes, why are these players in the squad? Well, exactly, and no. I think that goes for the same. I think it's a it's it's a difference. Obviously, we talk again about the the Newcastle game for the last thing we said, but um, I think it's maybe harder for Newcastle who don't have a bigger squad. And Rafa's obviously admitted to bringing in younger guys, but if you're in the Premier League and you've not got players who can come on against a Cardiff, uh, a Huddersfield, say, um, you know those teams who are struggling a bit, um, they probably shouldn't be playing in the Premier League. Um, and it's just good to see, because not many managers would do that, and especially come out and say it as well. No, that's uh, that is true. It's um, very refreshing, especially as it's not a, it's not an English manager who's saying these things. So it's you know it's nice to see uh, the cup being taken seriously. It's quite often managers come over from abroad and they just don't care about the cup, do they? Do you think so, that's, See, I was going to say, do you think that's why he's because obviously cups are taken much more serious in other leagues. Do you think that's why he's taking it more serious than, say, an English manager? Because Possibly. even the lower English teams, 
um, don't take. I've seen championship teams not take cup games serious, you know, because they've got a big game at the weekend and such. Um, and obviously, getting promoted or staying up in a in a championship is much more important. Where I feel like teams in in you know, we'll look at teams in Spain. You even see the relegated teams. You know, the relegated, but they, they're trying for the cup um, and making it like those day outs. Maybe because there's only one cup to play for, or maybe they just take it much more serious. Well, the thing is as well, like if Wolves, if they finish seventh, presumably that'll get them into Europe. If they win the FA Cup, that'll also get them in exactly the same competition. Yeah. Um, so what's easier, trying to win three games and getting a couple of days out at Wembley, or the scrap for seventh place when his objective, probably set by the board, at best would have been finish in the top half I, I think so yeah and he's going to achieve that as you said earlier um, quite often managers um, from abroad they get set objectives and if they don't hit them they quite often walk away um, I can't remember who it was at Brighton a few years ago I don't know why this comes, springs to mind that before they got promoted they had a manager before Poyet who they uh, they missed the playoffs by a point I think they finished seventh which was very good for Brighton at yeah. the time and he, he left at the end of the season because he, he hadn't hit what he'd Set out to do. Mm. And it's just it's just a mindset of. Uh, yeah, they're very so, honourable in a way, aren't they? they yeah, yeah, exactly. Good set targets, and they they believe they've failed. So, I mean, yeah, I think you're right. I think he's probably been set a target of mid table. I mean, I think a lot of the pundits and media and myself included probably had wills to finish in where roundabout where they are. I just thought the way they played last season. They, I, I'm a massive fan of the likes of Ruben Neves, Joe Moutinho. You know, they they have talent. Oh yeah, they are, and and much more than sorry. Say like so, your Newcastle's, your Crystal Palace. You know they have like Ruben Neves is an international superstar. Yeah. You know who was highly taught after for for years as a youngster coming through. Um, so you just always felt they had something about them. So I think, yeah, as you say, mid table. As you say, they've easily achieved that. They're not going to lose nine games in a row. Put it that way. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, it's just, as you say, it's just refreshing to see. And I hope, in a way, it works. They're playing Man United, actually. I'm desperate to see it work. Because um, <laughs> you'd love to see, a, even like yourself, you must, you'd love to see like a Wolves or that, you know, break the monopoly of the top clubs, you know, winning a cup. Uh, I'm very much on the other side of the fence where if, if, if I'm not happy, I don't see why the fans should be happy. So... <laughs> Keep the trophies within those who are used to winning. <laughs> right, okay. But but no, but no. But um, I, I take your point. It, it would be nicer. It would be better for football if, if Wolves won the FA Cup. I, I would. I'm not. I I'm, would, not I, I'm not sure. Boss Ross agrees after um, the conspicuous way Wolves were promoted last season. But <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, there's different ways to to cheat the system, isn't there? And. Uh, but actually, funny enough, Wolves and Watford, who are in the battle for seventh, have both cheated the system in their own in their own special <laughs> ways. So. Yeah, it's very much so. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this takes us to the last game of Saturday, which was West Ham two, Newcastle nil. Um, Declan Rice and Mark Noel with the goals on Billy Bond's appreciation day, whatever the hell it was. Um, did you say any of this? Um, Verily, I was out for a meal for the mother-in-law's birthday. Um, and it just so happened the restaurant had this on the background, so I was trying to watch as much as I could. <laughs> I literally, just seen the penalty, really, of of any note, really. Um, it seemed quite a drab game, but I'm sure you can go more into detail. Unfortunately, well, Dave. I found myself getting very wound up by this because 
the way Sky were going on was if West Ham had played us off the park when they scored two goals from set pieces. One was ahead of him a corner, which Declan Rice was got away from his marker and scored. All right, fair enough. The second one is a long free kick in the box, which Lejeune has a rush of blood at the head and fouls foul, Hernandez, and that's yeah. the, the pen for 2-0. But up until after that and until the very late stages of the game when we committed a few more bodies forward, it's not like they had chance after chance. They, they, they barely created anything in open play. Um, I mean, we we weren't loads better, don't get us wrong, but um, it, the, the way they were going on, it was if West Ham had given us this footballing lesson. Um, Mark Noble is probably the luckiest man in football. You know, like, when you play five-a-side and the shittest player gets to take the pens and things because he, he organises it and he collects the subs at the start and this kind of thing. He is, that is Mark Noble all over. Like, how he still gets a game in this team because he's, he's just barely a footballer like his legs have gone he's got Felipe Anderson and Declan Rice doing all the work for him and he just takes a pen every now and again um, I was very impressed with West Ham's two centre-halves uh, Diop and Ogbonna every time we got an opening one of those two got in the way of it um, Rondon hit the post with a free kick in the last couple of minutes we probably deserved a goal to be honest if we'd lost 2-1 I'd probably say it was probably a justice but um, we just it just didn't fall for us and I got the impression by then we could have played all night and we still wouldn't have scored uh, it's a bit of a back down to earth scenario because we were getting a bit carried away having won two in a row um, but I say I'm, I'm not devastated because I don't think we played that badly um, but I did kind of expect us to, to not lose because we generally well we haven't lost against uh, anyone outside the top six away from home such as being the way we've set up. It's only been the big lads who've been able to beat us. So, disappointing in that respect, but uh, hopefully our home form will be all right from here on in to keep us up. Home to Everton next. So. Yeah, it's annoying because Everton have generally been better away from home. Um, but we've been a different proposition at home since Almiron signed, just because he's given us that lift, um, injection of pace, bit of creativity, things we haven't really had. Uh, I can't I'm saying it's probably quite a tricky game because Everton have their tails up as well, you know, from the good result midweek and then their their World Cup win today. Hmm. Yeah. Well, as I say, as I say, they're probably better away from home. They've been quite poor at home all season, but on the road, uh, like a lot of teams now, actually, like even Man United mentioned earlier, for all they've been brilliant under Solskjaer, their away form has been far better than their home form. You know, at home they've they've struggled to. Wins over Southampton and Burnley, uh, sorry, and Brighton, and the drew with Burnley, and you know, away from home has generally had a lot easier when the space opens up for them. Um, it'll be a tough, it'll be a very difficult game to call next weekend. Um, but at the same time, say we've won our last two at home. Yeah. I'd like to, I'd like to think that'll carry over. But uh, I'm calling it now know. a four-nil Newcastle win. Hmm. I hope so because. That, <laughs> that, Bloody Macam Jordan Pickford plays for Everton and he just loves playing against us for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, so it'd be nice to, even just to score past him will be an achievement because I don't think we haven't managed the last couple of times he's been up here. Yeah, I think it'll be a very weird fixture next week. If, I mean, if you guys can get a win, um, it'll be massive because there's a lot of, I mean, Bournemouth are at home away to Huddersfield and even that should be an easy win for Bournemouth. Um, and obviously that's the teams who you're kind of Chasing as such. Yeah, where where are um, Cardiff next weekend? 
Cardiff are at home to West Ham, so again you got to fancy West Ham. So then that that pretty much would not pretty. That's probably harsh to say, but and Tottenham have got Southampton at home, Spurs as well. So it's quite a big weekend for you guys. Um, you know, seeing. I mean, you got to fancy, as I say, Tottenham to beat Southampton. You've got to fancy West Ham to beat Cardiff. So if you guys can get three points. Um, at home, which is where you want to pick up the points at the, yeah, you know, the tail end of the season, it would it would look quite good for you guys um, going forward. Yeah, our, our running's decent as well. We um, we played a lot of the bigger sides in a in a big clump both at the start of the season and at the second half at the start of the second half of the season. So uh, I think we've got to go to Arsenal in a few weeks, and we've got Liverpool as the second last game of the season. But everyone else of those nine games is against. The other sides in the league, so you know, I, I'm 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 fairly confident we'll stay up. Um, it makes your horrible start that bit worthwhile, doesn't it? When it comes down to this stage of the season. Yeah, I mean, don't get us wrong. I wouldn't want to do that again because it's it, it does mess you up playing and yeah. not winning for so long. Like it's uh, it's not good for a team's confidence. No matter who you're playing against, if you go five, six, seven games without a win, yeah, it's uh, it's not it's not exactly a good foundation Especially to build a season on. Start as you say, like. Um, if, it, if it happens in the middle of the season, it tends not to be as bad because the, there's already points on the board. So well, that's it. Yeah, exactly. Got, you're, you're looking. You've maybe got a wee bit of safety net already because you you tend to see the relegation teams, you know, settle down quite quickly. Um, well, well, Bournemouth are going through the same thing now, and they did at the start of the season where they've had a fairly good start of the season where they didn't have to play many of the, the sort of so-called big teams. Got themselves into fourth or fifth, and everyone got carried away. And then they had, you know, yeah. they played Arsenal and they played Man City and whoever else have to play. Yeah, the, the, uh, I mean the guys on the, the Friday show kind of they I don't know if you've listened to it this week yet, um, but they kind of pointed out how Eddie Howe gets kind of um, an easy ride because of that sort of thing. Where a lot of managers like Rafa was under massive pressure in the media and you know even on social media for the start he had when you look at the teams he was playing. Yeah. There's not much said about Eddie Howe. Again, he's English, which also always helps. But you know, he's a bit of that media darling, so they forget the bad run he's on. And when Bournemouth go on a bad run, unlike Newcastle, they're conceding a lot of goals and not scoring many. That's it. I mean, they're three points above us now. If we'd managed to win on Saturday, we'd actually gone ahead of them. Yeah. Which is which is uncanny, really. As I said, you think after ten, twelve games, Bournemouth were fourth, fifth, and we were probably nineteenth. 18th, you know that kind of thing. So um, it's funny how it can turn around, but just goes to show the uh, it's a long old season, and uh, you've got to play everybody eventually. It's just a matter of when. That's it. Yep, it takes its time. It does. Uh, so on to Sunday's games. Um, we had a, a triple header today. I don't know about you, but this is really putting a strain on my marriage. Uh, these three game weekends. <laughs> Thankfully, I only watched one. My daughter was training with Scotland kickboxing team today, so I was away all day. Ah. Um, so I want to say thankfully I only watched one but having been the one that I watched it, um, it wasn't, wasn't really <laughs> worth it to be honest Alright well we'll not spend loads of time going through Watford Leicester but uh, after last week when we boldly predicted Brendan Rodgers wouldn't go anywhere know, before, no. <laughs> before the season ended barely 48 hours later he was uh, sat in Leicester <laughs> watching uh, Leicester against Brighton mm. on Tuesday uh, so today he took charge uh, as Leicester went to Watford Um Watford won 2-1, thanks to Andrea Gray's last-minute goal. Um, this is actually quite a good game. Um, 
this is probably the one that had the least fanfare about it from the today's games, but uh, it was pretty pretty enjoyable. It was uh, two teams who generally play the right way. There's not an awful lot of sort of looking for nil nils in either of these teams. Um, Watford have been very impressive all season. Uh, Dini was a handful. Delafeu was good for his usual 20 minutes, and he went missing. <laughs> um, it looked like Vardy had nicked a point with a very nice finish, but uh, in injury time, uh, Greg went through and scored. Um, a, a point apiece probably would have been fair, to be honest. Um, I, I know you haven't seen this. Is there anything you want to add about Rogers going to Leicester? Or? Yeah, del- delighted he lost. Um, <laughs> he's making a fool of himself in the media, as always. I don't know why he can't just shut up and get on with things. Um, and uh, Watford played just can't get enough. Um, as a little mockery to Brendan Rodgers um, at the end of the game, which they'd never played before, um, which was quite nice to see. Um, so, yeah, my favourite part of it is just Rodgers getting embarrassed because I want him to lose every game that he ever manages. Um, and I can now go back to Celtic Park and enjoy the football because he's not in charge. So not a, fa- not I just, a fan. I despise <laughs> the man. You know, I just, and it's, it's just because he doesn't, you know, he never says, it's not about saying that, he's just got no class. Like we went from managers, like I mean, we had Rafa for years and, and you can completely understand where I, how I feel about Rafa um, and still do. You know, yeah. I just believe some managers have got class and some don't. And we went from, um, we went from Rafa, I believe, I think, was it to Roy Hodgson after Rafa? Yes, somebody, yeah. So we went. Yeah, and Hodgson, who, to be fair, has a lot of class about him. He didn't go about it the right way. He just didn't buy in. You know, he was he was very respectful for Fergie and 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 Man United. Now I get that, but at that time, you know, it's a heated rivalry. You you, you shouldn't be sucking up to Man United. So you're just not saying the right things there. He was always classy and respectful. So again, I only hate Hodgson for being crap in the signings he made. <laughs> and then we had Dalglish, who's who's one of the classiest men in football when it comes to. You know, especially when it comes to Liverpool and the whole Hillsborough stuff, and is that? And then we had Rogers, who was to begin with just started off, you know, said the right things, come in with this big dossier, who was, which was unheard of at the time, and then I just thirteen fourteen happened really, which was the best and worst thing ever happened to him, because he then got an ego where he believed he was Pep Guardiola, <laughs> and ever since then, every interview he just digs his hole just that bit deeper. You know, it's always foot and mouth. Like he came out and said he'll he'll manage Celtic again one day. The Celtic fans are like wanting to murder him right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like there's there's a time and a place to say things, and he just doesn't know when. Um, I'll never have a go him about his. A lot of Liverpool fans and other fans had a go him about his personal. He left his wife, who was, uh, you know, uh, what wasn't as pretty as his new wife, shall we say? You know, he was cheating on her. And a lot of fans just took... But whatever happens to your person, it's nothing to do with football. I couldn't care less. You know, if if your star striker cheats on his wife and goes away with somebody else, that's their business. Like, we're, we're not here to judge players not on their personal life. You just, it's about the football. So long as they're not, you know, you're not going to racist and homophobic slurs and stuff like that. But what they're doing with their own personal life is completely different. Um, so I'll never go up to that. But he just... I don't know. It's just... You know your feelings towards Pardew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, amplify that by ten, and that's me <laughs> Bloody hell! And, I mean, obviously Rogers got you to second in the league, but how much of that was down to Luis Suarez? Yeah, I mean, 
I'm never. It was definitely down to a lot down to Suarez. I mean, Suarez was arguably, in fact, not even argue. He was the best player in the world that season. Um, he was playing for a move away, hundred percent, and there was no player in the world better than him that season. You know, everything he touched, he scored with. Yeah. Um, he was winning. He won loads of penalties just because of his his dribbling in the box. I mean, a lot of it was probably exaggerated contact. Ha- happily admit, but. He just gets himself into those situations that it's near impossible not to bring him down, um, and he just got that perfect storm. You know, you got you got a Sterling coming through um, our defence. I mean, even Flanagan looked like a half decent fullback, you know, <laughs> that season. And the guy can barely get a kick in Scotland just now. Um, and he just he made silly like we've all. I mean, you've seen it yourself. Dude, how bad have we been defensively for years? Mm. And a lot of folks said he, he refused to work with a defensive coach. He refused to sign defenders. And he said he doesn't need a defensive coach. He's a good enough coach. He's coming out in the media and saying these things. Now, I get buying into your own hype. And I get, you know, you've got to be that bit macho and that bravado. But when it's not happening like that on the pitch and it's clear for everybody, you can't say things like that. It'd be like a boxer who's getting knocked out every week saying, I've got a really strong chin. <laughs> so it's not happening and that's the way Rogers. Is. he just says the wrong things at the wrong time um, and his ego really gets in the way of in the way of him being a really good manager um, and I'll praise him for the job he did at Celtic it's easy, not as easy as the job it is but it's much more favourable as going to Leicester or a mid-table team in England but he still achieves things that other managers haven't done so you've got to give him credit for that but he's then come back down to Leicester and said yeah I I did this. I'd done such a good job at Liverpool. I had to cut budget after budget after budget. We put Adam Lallana on twenty-two million pound signing, and then over a hundred grand a week. <laughs> like well, Lallana was a great player for Southampton. Let's not kid ourselves. But I think most of us knew he was never going to be a title challenging team caliber of player. Very similar to Lovren, who was terrible in France before he came. Yet Rogers louds him as like the best player. He came into Liverpool saying his greatest achievement was winning the championship playoff with Swansea. <laughs> just just shushed. <laughs> and that's my biggest fault with him. That is my biggest it's just his mouth. Even now he just doesn't shut up. Oh well it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting six months. See how, well, if he lasts much longer than that, we'll yeah, see. Yeah, well, I mean we've spoken about it a few times when Puel was under stress. What do Leicester expect to achieve? Well, that's the thing, though, isn't it? Like as we said last week, that someone's going to have to make a lot of big decisions there. Um, I feel a lot of their teams coming to the end, and they kind of need a full revamp. But I, I don't know if it was you and Ross that mentioned it last week. How do you get rid of that team who's won the Premier League? Well, it's not, it seems to me there's an awful lot of player power there. Um, it seemed like Vardy was kicking off every week with Puel. Well, Vardy and Schmeichel seem to be the, you know, the main two. And, and I brought it up on the Friday show at the time, just before the accident, actually, with with the chairman, mm-hmm. um, where I called Schmeichel a cunt because he got just the way he reacted and him and Vardy and all that that player power to get rid of Ranieri, you know, stopping playing and going to the chairman behind his back and to try and get him sacked, and. I don't see that being any different with the Puel situation, and I, and I, I would say the same in six months' time, eight months' time with Rogers down the line. 
unless they are sitting in third place challenging for the league and can we really see that happening? Definitely not. They're uh, the same light years away from that. Um, they need to make a decision on Vardy as far as I can see where they either have to adapt to be to play to his strengths or you know move him on essentially because uh, he had something like 15 touches the ball to do. I mean, yes, he scored, but... Uh, they were, they were essentially a man down. For does it, does it seem to you like his legs have gone, Dave? Uh, yes, a little bit. You know, that, um, that really fast-paced directness. I mean, he's not slow, but he's not as explosive. The fact that he felt the need to retire from international football, I think, to me, means in his mind, he felt a bit slower. Yeah. There's obviously some sort of doubt there that he wasn't as, as sharp as he once was, and he... Presumably thought if I don't go away for internationals four or five times a year, that might help. But yeah. uh, it's 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 hard to say because when he when he when they won the league, I don't know why, but every team seemed to be playing such a high line against him. Yeah, which seems odd considering like all their goals were the same. Where, Long ball where, at the top. Yeah, or you know, Mares would go on amazing and, and smash it in. But yep. obviously, they don't have anyone of the Mares caliber now. Um, so I guess teams have can sit deeper without the threat of someone running at them and, and scoring um, but when he hasn't got that to offer he's very very average um, he's, yeah, he's sharp around the box sure but it reminds me a little bit of Michael Owen by the time he'd uh, you know had his injuries and come to Newcastle he, he wasn't the player he once was yeah fair comparison that yeah and you know if you give him a one on one he'll probably score but the odds of him getting that one on one are slim yeah. Getting that now, yeah. It's a it's a concern for Rogers. Um, I'm delighted he's got the problem. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just you you just look at that team and I mean everybody. I mean they've got a decent base that they could build around. Um, it's just how do you as again go back? How do you tell your Wes even like so Wes Morgan like he shouldn't be playing football anymore at Premier League level. Um, or not a regular starter anyway, you know, and and Vardy were just saying that there he's not he can't be your focal point anymore, um, and my thoughts and Casper Schmeichel are, are <laughs> clear for anyone. Um, it's how do you dissect that team now? Um, you'd have to have a, a a big set of balls to come in and say right you you you, it's my team now. Well, you've, you've just got to look at it and say, well, what's the future of this team? And it's the likes of Damari Gray, um, Harvey Barnes looks lively as well on the other side, yep. Madison, indeed he's handy in centre-mid, Evans and Maguire should really be a decent centre-half partnership, Pereira, the fullback looks good, Chilwell looks good on the other side, so they're not a million miles away, really. Um, no, it's just it's, it's, it's those main components that need replaced or managed better, because Vandy's still got a role to play. Um, and he's probably at that stage where you wish you could still play a four-four-two. Mm. You know, where you could have somebody an Emil Heskey type. You know, when Emil Heskey was at Liverpool that year, we own. You know, who'd done all yeah. the work for him, really. Well, I mean, Nagasaki was brilliant for him, wasn't Nagasaki, he? Nagasaki, yep. But um, he seems to be totally out of favour now, mainly because well, he scores once a year. But... Well, I think it was you again. It was either you or Ross that said it last week that every stat that came out of it Leicester last yeah. week was about how long the players hadn't scored for. <laughs> no, I think that's... that sums a lot up about the the Leicester the Leicester front line just now. Yeah, I mean that, that's the problem. We can say Vardy's not as good as he used to be, but he's still the best they've got. Yeah, um, which is a worry. <laughs> but I mean, we talked about Ayanacho before. He's 
25 million of nothing. Like, it, it's just bizarre, isn't it? But never mind. Um, we'll see how Rodgers gets on there over the, over the rest of the season, yep. and it might be an interesting summer. Uh, the second game on uh, Sunday was uh, was Fulham at home to Chelsea. Uh, Fulham, of course, sacked Ranieri in the week, and Scott Parker is now in charge until the end of the season. Um, guessing you didn't see any of this either. I didn't. I just heard Jorginho actually did a football thing. Well, I mean, he passed the ball in the goal. He didn't shoot. It was oh. a it was a very measured finish, like in fairness to him. But uh, it was just rare to see him doing something positive. But uh, this was actually a really enjoyable game as well. It was open. Um, Fulham, I mean, Scott Parker must be pleased with, with the effort his team gave him because uh, it was a bit like they went back to the Yukanovich way of playing where they just attacked. They didn't fanny about with five at the back and whatever else. Yeah. They just went toe-to-toe with Chelsea and, the, and they happened to lose, but they uh, had a couple of chances to level it up. Uh, the Balaga in, in goal for Chelsea um, made actually a, f- a few good saves, which has not always been the case with him this season. I know. <laughs> Uh, he did drop one, by the way, as well, um, just a cross in the box, which he dropped. And Ryan Barber was too busy, like trying to protect himself. And right. if if he had been paying attention, he would have had a tap in. But yeah, Barber doesn't have a brain. Well, he's got a head like a baboon's ass. So I mean, I've still not it, seen him. Like, I can even need to look at what he looks like these days. Uh, it's just just red hair. It's, oh man, it, it's it's odd. Um, uh, but yeah, the, the result went the way we expected. Really, um, I think Fulham are down. Park will. Presumably, bring some pride back to the performances. Um, he, he restored Tom Kane at the team, who seems to have been marginalised by Ranieri for some odd reason, um, and he was very good. So they'll always they'll always attack. They'll probably always concede. Um, they're probably going to go down. I don't think I don't think they're capable of making up what's effectively eleven points with nine games to go. Yeah, no, I think as you say, I think Parker's in just to get the, the feel good factor. Um, maybe get them ready for. Championship, you know, so they can start off on the front foot. Um, I see Kearney start. Is that his? So, is this his, I knew he hadn't been playing. Is this his first start since the injury? He's, start he, of the season? No, he's been in and out of the team. Um, but Ranieri seems to have been playing him on the right of a. I don't know what he's been playing, but then he subs him off, and the crowd start telling me he didn't know what he's doing, and so on and so forth. So, um, I think it was just one of the many things Ranieri did that pissed off the Fulham fans. So. I see Sessignon played like a left wing role today as well, which is clearly well, his strongest position because he's not a left. I don't care what anybody says, he's not a left back. Yeah, well, he's another one who was also cut out by Ranieri for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he was very good today. He started on the left. I think he switched to the right for a bit. Um, and. He was it was a handful. Um, he was unlucky not to not to pick up an assist towards the end. I think he actually scored injury time as well, but it was it was offside by maybe a yard. It was it was offside, but yeah, it was it was promising for Fulham and had it been the start of the season, you'd say, well, they can probably build on this, but time's run now for them now. I mean, if that team goes down, it's 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 not the worst um, that could definitely put in a challenge. You know, with the right manager or as long as they've got the right feel good factor kind of thing as I said before you know so they can hit the ground running next because we all know um, just what for me watching obviously and yourself participating in it the championship can be a grind to get back out when you go down um, oh it's awful it's awful like I'm, I'm very very lucky that on the two occasions recently where we've gone down we've come straight back because you only have to look at half a dozen teams or, or indeed 
probably more than that who've been down there for 10, 15 years. Well, even a team that, well, I mean, we'll help, we better talk about um, Per Boss's instructions. Just look how long it's, Leeds have been. I, I know this, the circumstances surrounding Leeds, obviously, but they, I mean, they've had many attempts to, you know, to come back up. Yeah. Um, it's definitely a great. It's, and I don't care. I mean, if people actually watch the it's one of the most entertaining leagues to watch. Especially when you don't have a horse in the race and you can just sit back oh, and watch it. hundred percent. You, know, it, it's, it's, uh, you see teams, like a team who's not in the playoffs now, it's no doubt will be in the playoffs come the end of the season. You know, they'll make up 10 places. And <laughs> yeah, well, my money for that will be Villa, um, the way they're going at the minute. Um, I know, I mean, I hate Aston Villa, so hopefully they hopefully don't. Hopefully not, but, yeah, same. But, but uh, you've got to say with the squad they've got and uh, the way they're going at the moment, They've got to be a good bet to sneak in there. Six points again. There you go. Like two games and um, two wins to make up in ten games is it's not well, a hard problem, feat, and that's that's well, six places. They all beat they all beat each other is the problem. Yeah. Uh, so, and that's so, top to bottom as well. Oh yeah, completely. It's uh, except if switch which don't win at all. But yeah, I mean that's. that's... <laughs> um, do you have anything to say about Chelsea? Because ah. I, I, I don't, frankly. It's no, exactly... I, just, I, I don't think they're performing. I know Ryan said their performance, had, the, the tactics changed up a little bit, but from what I've, I'm reading, and um, I've, I'm, I was trying to see a clip just while you were talking, you know, just even a highlights. But from what I'm seeing on just on Twitter, it, it just seems same old Chelsea. Um, I, I just don't fear, fear them at all. Like, I think a half decent, any half decent team would beat them. Um, I don't get Higuain signing. I'll say it every time we're on. Um, Aspicoleta is their best defender when he can be bothered playing. Um, I feel Emerson makes a big difference for them when he plays. Um, I felt, you know, I watched him. I want to say it was two or three weeks ago. And I just feel he's just much more solid. Um, it's nice to see Christensen playing. I'm just looking at the lineup here. I don't know how he played, but it's nice to see him in the team. Um, and I, again, I, I'm just not sure I get their midfield. Um, I think they're the only team who maybe have a worse midfield than than Liverpool's, who <laughs> unfortunately I have to talk about shortly. But it's just one of those, just Chelsea, are just one of those teams. And I, I mean, I'll never hide my my hatred for them. They're just they're a horrible club. Um, with a lot of horrible fans now all clubs have got bad fans but Chelsea just seem to be the worst um, they treat their managers awfully and for the start of the season they've had they're now in six um, and it, you just you struggle to see them staying in the top four I know they've got the game in hand but it's just a struggle to see for me yeah I think uh Although they won today and obviously they beat Spurs in the week, they are the sixth best team at the moment for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think the table lies. I know they've got that game in hand we talked about earlier, but um, I, I don't think anyone really fears Chelsea. There's, there's nothing There's nothing to be fear, uh, afraid of, really. Uh, the path of all square a lot of the time at home. Um, they're quite easy to defend against. You get a lot of bodies behind the ball and they run out of ideas fairly quickly. They rely on a Hazard or a William to do something out of the ordinary. Uh, and they're becoming less and less frequent at doing that. Yeah, I mean, I think if, if Liverpool were head to head with Chelsea, uh, see, it was a title running. Uh, you know, City were in Chelsea's position and Chelsea were in City's position. I'd be confident we'd win the league. I, I just feel 
Yeah. You know, those lower teams could get points off Chelsea very comfortably. That I just don't see Chelsea breaking down a low block, as you say, without a, a hazard bit of magic. You don't see many goals. You know, there's nobody creative in midfield that's going to create something special. Their fullbacks have stopped scoring goals. Um, they're not exactly strong defensively. It's just, yeah, it's just a very, I don't want to say average team, because they're not an average team. They're a good team, but they're average for the top six. Is that fair? Yes. Yeah, you know? no, I'd go, I'd go along with that. So yeah, I just I just think I think you're right. I think they're the sixth best team out of the six, and I think that's fair to say. Um, and when you think how bad Arsenal are defensively, I, I don't think that says a lot for Chelsea really. <laughs> well, they play Wolves next weekend, which uh, should be a decent game the way Wolves play. But uh, Chelsea never seem to be involved in uh, in many good games for whatever they, reason. Yeah, they kind of. It could be a very dull game. It kind of cancel each other. I can see them both mm. looking for that counter attack. You know, yeah. Jorginho keeping the ball with the defenders and Wolves <laughs> just sitting. Well, we when you attack us, we're going to get it off you. But I'd safe to say I think Wolves have got a better midfield. So if it becomes to a battle of midfields, you've got to fancy Wolves. Well, hopefully we're sitting there next Sunday talking about a great Wolves win. But oh, uh... please do. <laughs> All right, Nally, we've avoided it long enough, but uh, it's time. To talk about the Merseyside derby, yeah, which Everton now Liverpool now, right? Thanks, right? Next, <laughs> good, sh- good show. Um, oh. I mean, this as a neutral wasn't great to watch. I can imagine it was even worse as a as a Liverpool fan. Oh, right, taking a Liverpool fan out, this was League One level standard football. <laughs> you know, the, the the passing was atrocious. The the tackle, there was no. I think Ross summed up best. I mean, I, I know we don't want fouls in the game. But there's three yellow cards in the game, and none of them were for bad tackles. They're all for just you know that the breakaway, pull them down before the counter attack on you. That's what all three fouls were for. Yeah. And I think that just sums up the game. Nobody cared. It was very meh. Um, it's two Sundays in a row where Liverpool have just been atrocious, um, and it's not. It's, it's really not acceptable this time. Yet. And Klopp's got it wrong again. And I'll never be a clop out, and I'm not that because we're not going to get better. But like last week, he was shouting on the touchline. He's making this is 2019. This is the best way I can describe this. It's 2019. James Milner and Adam Lallana were two of our subs to come on to change a fucking game. <laughs> we spent 60 million, 55, 55 million on a midfielder a year, two years ago, to sign him for this summer. He can't get on ahead of Jordan Henderson, James Milner, Adam fucking Lallana. Why sign him? Why indeed? It just, he fought so hard to get him. Now, I said about Saku earlier on and the, the personality and the, you know, the, the training stuff and all that. I reckon Kate is sleeping with Klopp's wife and he found <laughs> out about it. And I reckon Klopp slept with Adam Lallana's wife and Lallana has pictures and he's going to expose them. Because it's the only thing I can get my head around why Adam Lallana in 2019 still gets a game for Liverpool. He's terrible. It is odd. I was surprised to see him come on ahead of even Shaqiri who I know hasn't been yeah, great yeah, this, this, player, ca- yeah. this calendar year but he's got that little X factor where he can pick a pass which well, probably Sha- others wouldn't have seen. Yeah, Shaqiri's the, the player that everybody who likes Lallana believes Lallana is. <laughs> you know, they're not none of them are great players. That's why we signed him for twelve million pounds, Shakiri. Mm. But he's just got that 
he's got a good enough output that he's given us this season um, for a for a sub backup option, which is exactly what Shakiri should be. But I just I just don't get it. The substitutions. I, look, we're playing against Everton. I, I can understand why he's went with Henderson to start. I, well, I, I struggle because it's Jordan Henderson, but he's the captain. He he's the Brexit loving midfielder. Like, you know, he's just that. He's he's no fancy. He's never going to be fancy. He just works hard. You know, he's never going to do much good. To be fair, so I think he's had maybe one good half of football this this season. Um, and it's no coincidence we've only won one game in five in five games, and it's the game he didn't start in. No, that's probably not a coincidence. Our, is it? our most creative midfielder was Matip when he broke from centre half to play centre midfield. Our midfield uh, has scored eight goals this season combined. It's just not good enough. It really isn't. And I mean, my anger has gone a lot from earlier. Like I genuinely had to go for a run. I'm just so angry. Um, and it's like people saying, ah, you take a point away from home. Not when it comes to this time of the season. Like This is the time that those scrappy 1-0 wins that we were getting at the start of the season should be happening. And we just look terrible. And we've not looked good bar Arsenal who... Like, sorry, Chris, but Arsenal are that weak team. If you get a goal early, they do just crumble because they're a piece of crap. Um, <laughs> they're soft. And it's easy to do. So if you get that goal, as I said, you can run over them. Like Watford midweek, we got an early goal, ran over them. Sadio Mane today looked like what I described Lukaku earlier on. He couldn't control the ball, he couldn't pass the ball. Mo Salah thinks he's Christian Benteke. All his shots are going straight to the goalkeeper. It's strange how Salah, how poor he is at times. Um, I know I said last week that He's not particularly lethal, which is a strange thing to say about a man who's got 50 goals, whatever it is. Yeah, but, but you're right. Yeah, he's not clinical. He, he, he gets, he gets, he, last season he was getting 10 chances a game and, and scoring two or three. Um, now it feels like those chances, he snatched at them a bit. Um, you know, not even the chances, Dave. Like, I can, I, can, I can accept missing chances, but he's playing terrible. Mm. And even the games he's scoring in, like, his stats this year will look good, you know, on paper, his goals and assists. He's got a lot of penalties. He didn't have them last season, and he, I don't remember. I genuinely don't remember the last great game that he had. And that's a concern. Probably be Bournemouth before before Christmas when he got the hat trick. Yeah, he's, he's not done a great deal since then. I don't think. No, I mean, we we beat Watford five one on Tuesday. Or Wednesday, I can't remember what night it was. Tuesday, or Wednesday, um, and I don't remember him doing much. Like Trent Alexander Arnold obviously was our best player. Um and again today he probably for the first half he looked like our most dangerous player. Um and I genuinely and hats off to Everton, if it wasn't for Van Dyke today, I think Everton beat us. Van, Van Dyke was just Van... Oh, it was unbelievable, wasn't he? I think he's the best player in the league. Like this season. I struggle to see a player who's had the impact, um, as consistent you know, everything you want in a player, a leader, everything. I just don't know who's been that player that's been better. No, I mean, the way he reads danger is uh, absolutely second to, second to none. Yeah. Magnet on the ball. Yep. And just, yeah. 
and then Klopp blaming the wind today. Uh, it's, a, it's not good, is it? You want to see someone take some responsibility rather than blaming the wind. Uh, I, don't, I, I don't want to do it. I'm going to remember what I said about Rogers. I just mm. don't want to shut up. Klopp today. Just stop. As you say, just hold your hands up. You, you, you can admit you got it wrong. Um, it's okay to be bad. The whole point is learning from it. What I'm not seeing is the learning. And at Klopp, when things are... If every manager's at their best and playing to the way they want, Klopp's probably the best manager in the world. You know, the way we played football last season was breathtaking at times. Um, probably maybe the most enjoyable in the league, even for neutrals yeah. at times. But I just feel... You know what we say about Sarri, how he's got no plan B and the tactical side... I really think Klopp's struggling with the tactical side. And I don't know what it is. And I don't want to be one of the... the we lost, obviously, our assistant manager, which was who's been Klopp's assistant manager from the beginning, I believe. I could, oh, yes. If not the yeah. beginning, you know, very soon after, in Buvak. And he's away. And I don't know what effect that's had on the team, on Klopp. And I love the guy we've got in just now. I can't. I can never remember his name. Oh, Pep Linders, um, who's highly touted, who went away to become a manager somewhere and came back when he got the assistant manager's role. And he's a great tactician. He's got everyone. But you know, like Rafa was never the same for Liverpool when we when he lost Paco. Oh yes. You know, uh, you know, and when you get combinations like that, you never know what goes on. How much? How important each was to each other. Now, I'm not saying by any means Buvak was so important to Klopp that he now all of a sudden can't do the same stuff. But we've definitely not been the same since. And it's a concern. And I genuinely believe the league's gone. Not that I was ever 100% confident, as I've said on every show, but I just don't... We need to win, I reckon, eight games out of nine and draw the mm-hmm. other one. Look at you. City to drop points. Well, looking at your games, you've got Tottenham to come to Anfield, yeah. which mm, you should win, really, it's but you never know. Because it's at home. Yeah, Ch- Chelsea to come to Anfield, yep. which again, we've just said, should be a win. Yeah, we'll beat you um, because of what I've just said. Though. <laughs> uh, well, yes, yeah, that's true. Other than that, though, your games, Burnley, Fulham, Southampton, yep. uh, Cardiff, Huddersfield, Newcastle and Wolves. I mean, it's, it's not a bad end of the season. It's you contra- not, but- I think, yeah, but City have got. Can you honestly see Man United? Like, I know this is very conspiracy theorist, right? But do you honestly see Man United really caring about losing to Man City? To let uh, probably not, in truth. But we are we are the real rivals to Man United. Whatever any Man City fan tries to pretend, you know, the biggest rivalry in England is still City and uh, United and Liverpool because they're the two most successful. Going back to what I said earlier, I think Man United. If this is if this game was at the Etihad, I'd be more confident in Man United getting a result. But playing at home, they, they're not as good at taking the, the game to teams, um, which I think will favour Man City playing away from home. Um, I suppose the thing you could cling on to is that they've got to play Tottenham on the Saturday at the Etihad, and they go to Old Trafford four days later. I mean, that's that's your chance playing two high-level games like that back-to-back. I know they've got a massive squad and it probably won't matter to them with the possibility of the Champions League being thrown in as well. 
um, that's where it's going to be won and lost, I think. Yeah, I, I just don't see City losing it. Um, I really don't. I just don't see us being able to beat them in points. We now need to beat City in points. Whereas yeah. before we had to match them. Mm. And I just, I don't know. Um, I don't, we'll wait and see, Dave. Um, it's just a very, what I will say is, I mentioned it last week to Ross, um, it's now, I, I now I'm going to the stage where I might be able to just sit back, watch the game, and enjoy it <laughs> because I've kind of like in my head, title's gone. So there's not the, the last two weeks I've just hated both games as well as the performance and the result. You, you know you just can't enjoy it. I mean you you will have been there yourself as well. Um, well I've not been there for many a year, um, and I can now just you know give up and just watch football and. You know, hopefully we play well and entertain. Well, I have to do better than they did today to entertain. Yes. But, but not every game will be like that. And uh, as you say, you just never know. There's uh, if Man City win every remaining game of the season, that'll be what 15 wins in a row. Which, <laughs> it's, I mean, if, if they do that, fair enough. But it's just not very many teams win 15 in a row. Yeah, I mean, I mean, regardless, we're going to lose the league to arguably the greatest Premier League team of all time. Like, I know you've got the Arsenal Invincibles. I know you've got that United... I don't know what United team you'd go by, but I just think in today's game, where there's so much money in and all teams are improving, where you, you're more likely to see lower teams beating the, the, the top teams... Um, the athletes that are involved in football and, you know, in today's game, the amount of games, the amount of competitions that City are competing in, I just think that from the record they got last season to looking to do very similar this season, I just think it's something something special that this City team is. With obviously the money they've spent and, uh, you know, they've brought in Guardiola and they've spent £500 million on defenders and so it's they have got that advantage, but you still got to respect the way they've played football and the way they've went about it. Um, it's been a joy to watch. It has, it has. Um, I think you're right as well. It, they are probably the greatest squad that's ever been assembled, and to to back up winning a league by retaining it is obviously always a good test of how good a squad really is. Um, plenty haven't managed it, and like the Chelsea, tend to go to pieces over trying to do it. Yep. Um, so if they can do it, then. I think that's their plan, place some cemented in history. But, I wonder uh, what's more important to them: winning the league back to back, or winning the Champions League. Well, I mean, what you've got to say is that they might not get a better chance to win the Champions League in this season because uh, Real Madrid are only going to get better. Not this year, but obviously they'll in general, presu- yeah. presumably actually buy some players and have a proper manager from next season. Um, Barcelona haven't haven't been great. I mean, obviously the the top of La Liga, but they've they've had they've had their problems. Um, Juventus have got clinches disease. Every time they get the final, they lose. But granted, it's usually against Real Madrid, but still. And um, Juventus aren't great. Like people seem to forget this. Like Juventus have got the monopoly on Italy. Yeah. Um, but that's never good, and that's why PSG failed because the league's won so early on. That players aren't in that competitive mode when it gets to, you know, the the meat end of the season. 
So when you get to that quarter semi-final stage, the PSG players have already won the league. Mm. So they're not in that peak mental state. Whereas it's why Liverpool were very successful last season. And the style of football that we played, you know, we were we were still trying to get fourth in the league and, you know, players were, you know, competing with each other and it's why we got on so well getting the goals out. Whereas PSG, who probably over obviously have a better squad, much more expensive, but when the league's won and you're 30 points clear in February, how do you then motivate yourself when you're beating, say, Marseille 6-0 at the weekend to then try and go two legs against a, a Juventus, a Real Madrid, an Atletico Madrid? Well, this is it, and uh, it has really cost them in recent seasons, but uh, they looked very good against Man United. Um, all right, fair enough, but it's Man United and maybe, <laughs> maybe we overestimated how good they are compared to the rest of the world because they could beat Huddersfield and Cardiff and that kind of thing but um, they got turned over and turned over quite easily on the night as well um, I know they had injuries and stuff but so did PSG they were missing Neymar and Cavani so um, the Champions League this year is going to be I'm going to enjoy it as a neutral um, last season I admit I got I got really bought I bought into the Liverpool thing last season my wife's a Liverpool fan we really wanted them to win at the point where when they lost, I was actually quite really good at it, which is unlike me for any team that's not in Newcastle. So. It was my wedding day. How do you think I felt? That's <laughs> uh, just bad planning, though, isn't it, really? No, I planned it for the final. I predicted it a year and a half early against the right opponent, believing that I w- we would beat Real Madrid in the Champions League final. Yeah, it didn't work out very well for me. Uh, I, still, I, still, I still think you would have won had... Salah not gone off, but anyway, let's not. Yeah, let's, that's let's, a fair point. But, let's yeah. not let's not rewrite history. Yeah. <laughs> um, I suppose we should probably talk about Leeds, shall we? To keep. Uh, yeah, I mean, we we got our instructions. Um, did Did you watch the game? I did. Um, I'd barely sat down by the time they scored. Of course, yeah. it was what twenty twenty seconds, twenty one seconds, something like that. But um, yeah, it's uh, they're really fun to watch Leeds. Um, and I just do, it's, it is a football miracle, really, how Bielsa has got them playing. When you look at who they've got and the amount of academy players he's, he's using it to do it, um, they are second at the moment. But if Sheffield United win their derby on Monday night, then they'll go back down to third. But it, it's a, it's a proper three horse race for for those two automatic spots. Yeah, you, you feel. Uh, I mean, Ross, I'll agree with me anyway. You feel if they don't get top two, they won't get promoted. I think, yeah, historically. Uh, yeah, historically has always shown that as well. I think Friday night was a massive win for them. Like, West Brom were, you know, they've, they've had quite a good season. Um, you know, they've played, every time I've seen, I've not seen them a lot, but every time I've seen them, they've scored a lot of goals, which is very unlike West Brom. Mm. You know, they were winning quite comfortably against a lot of teams, and, you know, they, they were playing some nice football. Bear in mind, I hadn't watched them much since, you know, the the great defensive displays in the Premier League. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I didn't watch Leeds much last season. And Ross says it's a very similar team. You know, um, not many signings, And they've went from 15th to 2nd, as you say, possibly 3rd. Um, but only 3rd on goal difference as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. Let's, let's add that in. 
I, I don't know. I've just I've always had a soft spot for Leeds. I just like the fact, like Newcastle, didn't matter where they were in the league, where what league they were in. Stadium was always full. Fans always went out to support. You know, Ellen Road's always been full. St James's Park's always been full. Um, even with obviously how bad the owners both teams have had, um, and still, and you just kind of got to respect Leeds for that. Um, and I do hope they come up this year. And I, I love the whole Spygate stuff. Um, I just thought it was genius from Bielsa. Um, and why you wouldn't what, you? I would love to see Derby's record since Spygate because it seems to have coincided with uh, a, a bit of a, a down spell for them. I mean, having said that, it's it's February onwards and it's Derby. So, I mean, maybe it's not a coincidence. It's, yeah, it's just, it's just that time <laughs> of the year, isn't it? It is. Um, but uh, it's funny how it works out, isn't it? But... Just As quickly said, on that Derby game, did we see Jack Grealish's goal? Yes, I did. Oh, <laughs> my word. I mean, I, I, I've always got a soft spot for Jack Grealish because he scored the goal that, that won us the championship, essentially, because um, he equalised against Brighton in the last minute. So to see him do that, I was quite pleased. He's, I, think, uh, I mean, I, I've not seen many goals in the championship this season, um, but the two I have seen that are goal of the season contenders have both been from Aston Villa uh, <laughs> and John McGinn and... Uh, Jack oh, so, John McGinn was unbelievable. But yeah. When you go back to what we saw about before, um, with someone always making a run for that last playoff spot, Chef Wed are 14th on 34 points. Obviously, they've got the, the derby tomorrow night. And yeah. since, since, since Steve Bruce has gone in there, I think they're unbeaten. Um, if they win that, they'll go to 50 points, four points out of the playoffs. They, they, were, they were relegation candidates about a month ago it's it's just mad and I <laughs> love the championship so much it's just there's always that one team as I say that it usually like as you say Chef Wed you know her just sitting like that 20th 21th place and then a run of games and even looking at even like I'm even trying to see like see Wigan put a run together of five games you could see them sitting you know comfortably that 13th 12th place because because so many teams beat each other, mm. like it's it's very hard to to make a run. Hence why even the top teams aren't that clear. As good a season as Leeds and Norwich have had, you know they're not breaking away massively. You look at uh, the goals for and against, and everyone's got like quite a heavy set of goals scored and goals against, except for Middlesbrough, <laughs> the Pulis <laughs> the, the Pulis effect. God. <laughs> Yeah, I don't imagine them have... <laughs> Middlesbrough must have just been dreading that the minute they signed him. I mean, they've got the best defence in the league by 10 goals, which is incredible, really, Like yeah. considering they're fifth. However, they've scored the least goals except for the bottom four. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> which totally... Is ridiculous. See, you didn't even have to tell me who was manager there, and if I didn't know, I could have guessed that. <laughs> God, he's such... Him or... How much Sam Allardyce was up he's there just, just, He's just a nightmare, isn't he? Like, oh, but, uh, I mean, the, the, the Sheffield Derby will be interesting tomorrow. Um, is it? Is it at um, Wednesday or Wednesday, is it at United? Yeah. I was going to say oh, it was yeah. in Sheffield. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's yeah. at Wednesday. So, I mean, that's it's always a bonus for them. Um, but, I mean, I just love Billy Sharp. Um, ah, it's a machine, isn't he? Oh, just... I'm looking at all the derbies and um, just of of recent head to head, um, and it's not fared well on Wednesday overall. Um, 
they've won two out of the last eight. So um, last two have been nil nil draws. So you know, maybe put your money on that. <laughs> uh, not another nil nil draw. <laughs> yeah, I'm not watching it just in case. I no, just, I think... I'm only watching foreign football now, where you get goals. Uh, well, well, we said we were going to talk about Leeds. We've actually talked about everyone except Leeds, but yeah. still, the Championship—it's a good yeah, laugh. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> we just love the Championship. I mean, as you say, I mean, it was a great win for Leeds. I love that Pablo Hernandez player. Um, he always yeah. seems to be entertaining every time I watch them. Um, Ross seems to love him as well. Um, He's like thirty-six, isn't he? Yeah. Hernandez, Hernandez, not Ross. But. <laughs> Ross is only thirty-five, so you were close. <laughs> 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 Well, so, I, I agree with you. Are, are Leeds going up? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. In second place or? Uh, yeah, second to probably Norwich. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, I think Sheffield United are relying on one man, aren't they? Really, to get them there. Where Norwich and Leeds have got a squad who are playing well. Yeah, I, I think Sheffield United seem to have a bit of. Uh, an issue with choking towards the end of seasons. Um, from what I can gather, they play this mental formation where the, they have like overlapping centre backs. They call them. Okay. I, I mean, I've never, I've never seen them enough to, to notice it, but I, 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 for one reason or another, I follow a few Sheffield United fans on Twitter, and uh, they're always talking about Chris Wilder's formations and things, and it, it, it's, it is interesting. But uh, I've never actually seen them play. I don't, I don't think this season. So, yeah, I'll I watch in tomorrow night just to see if I can see anything there. Uh, report back. I will do. That'll be my <laughs> that'll be my report for next Sunday. <laughs> right then. Well, unless there's anything else you want to talk about, no, I, think... I think we're good. I mean, Liverpool have depressed me enough. I really just don't want to talk <laughs> about football. I was I was quite looking forward to the tea and toast conversation that we never got. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm sure there'll be another week for that because yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, our, our clubs are good at disappointing us. So we'll, we'll pencil that in for a future week. Um, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Uh, where can uh, people find you, Ali? You will get my moans and ramblings on Twitter at AliThompson84 or 1984. One or two. You'll find me. <laughs> uh, that's great. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at CM9798. You can find the podcast as a whole on Twitter at Man on the Post. Uh, as, as ever, there's a whole host of shows going out throughout the week, so make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes and Acast and uh, all those other podcast facilities. Um, Ali, thanks very much for joining us. Yes, thank you. It's been a pleasure uh, as always, Dave. Thank you, and uh, thank you all for listening. And don't don't forget to keep your man on the post. Uh-huh.